Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to another edition of After Hours with Defoe and Luby. Jeff DeForest, Mike Luby Lubitz with you on the Believe Podcast Network. And it's always a pleasure to uh, welcome this gentleman to any program that we are doing. Uh, of course, well-known, uh, well, I mean, well-known around the world. He's done, done uh, many national and international broadcasts. Started his career uh, doing professional wrestling. He was uh, the second coming of Mean Gene. And decided to uh, get into, I, I don't know, I probably shouldn't say it this way, more legitimate forms of sportscasting. <laughs> well, there's a snap mare as, uh, wow, the champ comes flying off the top rope. I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, he did that uh, extremely well, well yes. enough to uh, fall into any number of monstrous sportscasting jobs, including now with Bally Sports Florida, analyst on uh, the Marlins games here, the uh, Miami Marlins, the baseball team here, and uh, the Red Hot team in, in the country. In professional sports, the Florida Panthers, uh, even though on Sunday night they took one on the chin and uh, went down 3-2 to the Avalanche. No disgrace there. The Avalanche, uh, the favorites to win the Stanley Cup in many sports books. We welcome to the show our good friend Craig Minervini joins us here on the program. Craig, how are you, my friend? Thanks for being with us. Wow, it's great to be on After Hours. It really is. Well, if anyone's yes. going to be on After Hours, Put that on my right. Usually, <laughs> it's usually when we're on uh, our best game is uh, After Hours, because uh, <laughs> certainly when, when the moment is happening, we're, we're uh, you know bereft of uh, any creativity and talent. But uh, and, and Craig, we love Craig for a lot of reasons, uh, not the least of which, and uh, among my favorite all-time play-by-play announcers, uh, part of that Met broadcast team, uh, the great Bob Murphy, and, and one of the few guys, uh, Craig, I know that does a Bob Murphy impression. <laughs> You know, it's always great to be on After Hours there, people, because it's brought to you by Schaefer and Schaefer Light, premium taste and price right. <laughs> the suitable for framing. And by Manufacturers Hanover Trust, banking the way you want us to be. By your New York, New Jersey, and Fairfield County, Datsun Dealer. And by the New York Mets. <laughs> is it uh, yearbook day? I mean, yeah, uh, I sold a lot of those in my days ending in shade, man. That was my number one go-to item. It was like selling coffee oh my at gosh. a bagel shop. It was Steve, did, I ever tell you, yeah. did I ever tell you this story? So I, I had Murphy on my pregame show. Nice. When I was a kid, I don't know if I told you this one, but I, I used to do, like when my parents would have their cousins over and the aunts and uncles, I would do a little announcer shtick. And one of the things I did was I sold, you know, like Bob Murphy would do it on, on television, the Met Yearbook. So when I had Murphy on, I actually did the shtick to him. Oh, wow. Oh, great. In the interview. You know, and it, it, it's, it, you'll remember this. It, it, he used to, like, hold up the – it was off on a camera, like, from center field at Wrigley's. It was a shaky, shaky kind of camera. And he'd hold the yearbook up, and, he, and he'd do something like, the Met's Yearbook is now on sale. 64 pages in full color. All the pictures are suitable for framing. It'll go great in your baseball library. 
He goes on and on. He goes, order your Mets yearbook for a dollar and a quarter. The Mets yearbook, post office box stand, use the zip code Flushing, New York, 11368. <laughs> so I said to Bob, <laughs> I said, you remember that? He goes, well, that yearbook is not a dollar and a quarter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I remember when it went from 50 to 75, uh, people were thinking oh, that, that was, was going to uh, flatten the economy in oh, terms yeah, of Mets was, souvenirs was, uh, forever. Yeah, we I thought we'd never sell Mets another one. That's I funny. still have them. Oh, it's uh, great, great stuff. And now, did Murphy appreciate uh, the impression? Because uh, yes, it, it I think was he spot did. on. I'm, that's cool. I, oh, great. I think he did. I mean, I threw in, you know, here's a shot of Family Day. Tom and Nancy, see even what a colorful picture that is. Here's Felix and Juanita Mian. <laughs> Juanita Mian. Or whatever it is. Was Too many that podcasts like uh, you know, this morning or any other morning for that matter. Uh, all right. Uh, Craig Minervino, our good friend uh, with us here. And, uh, of course, his brother's a comedian. So you can see that uh, the DNA runs in the family. What, what, was your father uh, or mother uh, particularly funny, Craig? Or uh, did this my, just uh, happen yeah, out of nowhere? I'd say my, my, you know, for one thing, my yes, my mother was funny. And my dad had, would have a good one-liner. You know, like he'd go to the, uh, you know, try to buy a, a car or something. Hey. Hit a homer off the next guy. Hit a single off me. Let's go. Chopping a pencil. <laughs> or if he got a good deal, he'd go, hey, it's three-thirds off. That's a good price. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, you know, really, my, yeah. my brother, they opened up a comedy club on Long Island when I was uh, probably ninth or tenth grade. A couple of my buddies worked there. We all said it had a big Im- Im- impact on our, on our lives because we were around hearing – Jerry Seinfeld, Ray Romano, Jay Leno, wow. Eddie Murphy, Kevin James, all before they were well-known. Uh, yeah. You know, week after week, Carol Leifer, who still writes for Curb Your Enthusiasm, famous uh, female comedian, and, you know, on and on and on. Bobby Collins, I mean, Bob Nelson, who was on HBO, So, and my brother was a comedian. So being around that, you know, every week, we had Soupy Sales, Jackie Mason. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, it was just, Richie became friendly and would overpay to get a Jackie Mason in there because uh, it was good for the comedy club. I mean, he'd probably lose money having him there because yes. there's less than 200 seats. Wow. Uh, but it was it was great. I had a similar experience, although I was older. I had gotten out of college and moved to uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. And uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, was the sister of the unknown comic, the great Murray Langston. <laughs> really? And uh, he had a comedy was club that was girlfriend. not doing particularly well. I mean, it was a financial bloodbath for Murray. Right. And uh, yet, I mean, the guys that would be on stage on like an open mic night would be Robin Williams. And uh, right. you would have Andy Kaufman there. I mean, guys that went on. Letterman uh, was like third down on the bill. And, uh, you know, it didn't draw a whole lot of laughter uh, when right. he was up there on stage. And it will be a Tuesday night in front of like three drunks from Encino. <laughs> That had come in by mistake, <laughs> thinking it was a cowboy bar, and uh, you know, and, and there were like a, a lot of uh, you know really, really talented guys that made their way through there, and uh, huh. you know, it, it was a pleasure to see these guys work sure. under those circumstances. But speaking of working, yeah, Wait, go ahead. can I ask you a question of a little personal nature? When things yeah. got intimate, did she have a bag on her head <laughs> or a depot's head? I'm just wondering. <laughs> You know, it's funny. At that time, he was not the unknown comic. <laughs> oh, that's uh, and when he had the comedy club, uh, he actually became the unknown comic out of total embarrassment and desperation. Because uh, <laughs> things, uh, he was on a couple of shows. They used to have these comedy troops on television right. shows. And uh, he, he was on uh, the Lola Falana show was his last gig that I remember. And uh, before that, he was on like Laughing, like Rowan and Martin's Laughing, in the background sure. yeah. comedy troupe. 
And, uh, you know, he was a great physical comic, uh, this guy, Murray. But he opened a club thinking he was going to help out young comedians and all kinds of stuff uh, and noble intentions. But it was in right. uh, not the most convenient of spots there to take advantage of the L.A. sophisticated comedy following scene. So uh, it, it was really a struggle. But he, he became the unknown comic out of desperation because uh, he needed the money. <laughs> uh, he was going to, you know had some a mortgage payment or something that was going to be overdue. Uh, and uh, he was kind of top city. And so he went on yeah. a gong show just to pick up like the union scale, which I think was two fifty at the time. And he was too right. embarrassed to go on as himself. Cause he was an accomplished guy. Uh, you know, so he put the bag <laughs> over his head and uh, Chuck Barris dug it. It caught on and he's still performing, I, I believe on occasion as the unknown comic. So you never know. You got to have a gimmick, I, I guess, exactly. uh, right out of uh, the movie Gypsy uh, is what applies there. Yeah, I want to talk a little funny. NHL with you, uh, Craig Minervini, yeah. because uh, nobody talks about the National Hockey League. You have to be in some obscure uh, and frigid <laughs> region, region of Canada to pick up any kind of discussion on what's going on. And uh, yep. we've been uh, talking about this being the city of false hope on the sporting scene forever. And uh, nobody's experienced that more firsthand than you. There are various broadcasts on uh, Bally Sports Florida, which you can see all <laughs> over the world, uh, about yeah. uh, the Florida Panthers, who were supposedly going to have the right formula for a long time. They've been through ownership changes. They had this nucleus of young guys. They drafted very highly. They were, you know, highly, uh, you know, uh, uh, thinking that uh, it was going to be uh, just a, a nice core for a long period of time. And uh, it, it didn't It didn't pan out into uh, victory or Stanley Cups or anything like that, but this year, man, they're on fire, uh, this team. Well, they only lost on Sunday night to uh, Colorado. No shame in that. Uh, the Avalanche team by many to be the best team in hockey. But, uh, wow, they, they've been spectacular, especially at home. Um, I might use that if you don't mind that moniker. The king of false hope. Here he is, Craig Benavini. <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> no, you're you right. Can you can the false hope, it. though, uh, here that we've been oh, selling. i sell it as if it was Goya Beans. Listen, there's been some rough years with baseball and hockey over the years. Not enough... Uh, postseason appearances and, and um, I think that's what the Panthers are kind of battling now is is getting that crowd and that, that energy back uh, in a very big building there's a lot of seats there's 19,000 but they've had a, what an atmosphere at home they've been unbelievable <clears throat> and um, they've got a, a team there right now they've been playing without two of their best players for the most part Barkoff I know he came back for the one game but um, to do that and play even last night they nearly tied it up They've been exciting. I think that's one thing you could say. No matter what, they're in every game, and, and they come back, which is unbelievable. I mean, they, they came back last week, uh, two games, three goals down, and one in regulation, and they're one of less than 10 teams to ever do that in history, which is hard to believe. So, yeah, they've that was been against the Caps, too, right? Yeah, really Didn't they take down the Caps the first down 4 one third yes. period? Yep. Third period, yeah. Yeah, the other game they were down 4-1, I think, in the second. And came back, but yeah, and pulled it off in the third. So yeah, they've been. They've, I mean, I don't know. You know, when you start to look, and, and I'm sure the management at some point is going to come around and say, okay, as we get to February, maybe after the Olympic break, you start looking and saying, okay, what do we need to do here to just, you know, give you that little extra shot? And right now, it's it's going to be very hard. You're hard pressed to figure out what that is uh, for the for the last little boost. Is it another tough guy on the blue line? Maybe, uh, possibly. But that's, uh, boy, you really have to look. Where in the past you'd say you got holes here, here, here. This year they're looking great. And this is After Hours with Defoe and Luby here on the Believe Podcast Network. We're talking a little hockey and baseball with the one and only Craig Minervini, Bally Sports Florida. 
Uh, Craig, it's funny because last year the the Panthers were really good all year, and people were just they sort of got stuck with a tough draw as their division was like the best in all of hockey. So all three teams, Hurricanes, Panthers, and Lightning, all were Stanley Cup uh, contenders, and it just sort of was a tough draw to face the Lightning in the first round. They were pretty much the toughest out for the Lightning the entire playoffs, and they really went at it, and it sort of opened up people's eyes to what this team is now compared to before. Where do you put the Cats with everyone else? Right now they're tied with the league-leading points. They've been there all season long. Again, like you just said, there really isn't holes where defense used to be a problem. It's not. Scoring was a problem. It's not. Late game, uh, when you're struggling, they find a way now. Injuries, they still right. recover. Like There's really mm-hmm. not a lot of holes with this club. Where do you put them when it comes to the rest of the hockey world? Because last year we wanted them to be a contender. It feels like this year they legitimately are. Are you a contender? Yes. Uh, you know, and they're getting the goal <laughs> test. Could from, have been a contender, yes. Which is, you know, in hockey it's the most important position in the game. Even the Lightning said, you're right, Luby. Last season they said the Panthers were the toughest that they had, and it was happened to be the first round. Yeah. This year they're back to that old format where I, I think it's very important to finish in first place, uh, they'll wind up with a very tough first-round opponent, but it's going to be the number eight seed. And it could be either in their division or in the other division, the Metro division, depending on how it shakes. It will be the least points team, the eighth overall seed of the top eight. It's still not going to be an easy draw. You, you might wind up with a Penguin or you know who, who knows what. But I'll tell you what, you look at the, the their division and Toronto and the Lightning, despite – as you think the Panthers would have a 10-point lead right now, despite how great the Panthers have played, Toronto and the Lightning are right there. It just goes to show you, wow. You know, And even Detroit has been pretty tough. I like them in the mix of being, yes, a tops, and then the odds makers do too. I don't know where they are now, but they were second, third favorite, I think, right, Deep? Is that, is that the number? You know, whatever it was, they were in the top three or four of the NHL. Yeah. Not at the beginning of the year. They were 22-1 to 1 at the beginning of the year. Uh, to win the cup, so I, I think they're piece, in that Greg. Did you get a piece? On I, that? I did not. I, I did slag. not. I, but uh, I, I, well, what are you talking about? I hope I got it. No, <laughs> He's not oh, in the Stanley. No, in the Stanley Cup. Yes, yes. Uh, but I think they're right there. However, it's the hardest thing to win. It's the hardest trophy to win in sports. And uh, no matter how well they finish, it's all going to come down to how you do in the playoffs. And it's not going to be easy. Uh, even the first round. It's different than other, other uh, sports leagues where you get to the postseason sometimes. Your first-round opponent you, you, you know, is, is almost a, a walkover, and then here we go. That's not how it is in the NHL. But, and that's the great part about the sport. I mean, how many upsets? I watch the game pretty closely. Night to night, you see teams favored, plus 220. I mean, minus 220, minus 260, whatever. And the underdog team is winning the game. It happens two or three times every night. So hockey's tough because you can you can outwork a team, get a great goaltender, and win a hockey game. But I, I how, what's not to like about this team so far? Well, and there are periods of time, especially I mean, watching those comebacks. Uh, I'm watching that third period against the Capitals. Uh, you know, I, I enjoy watching the Capitals play because uh, a Ovechkin is fantastic, and I can't believe Wilson is still in the league. Wilson. The dirtiest player, uh, you know, I mean, uh, goons were uh, had more integrity than this guy. But um, I'm looking at Toronto, uh, Craig Minervini, and we have Craig Minervini yeah. of Valley Sports Florida. You'll find him on both Marlins and Panthers telecasts 
uh, all around the world and uh, does an outstanding job. Nobody smoother and nobody that is as ageless. He doesn't age. As Craig Minervini, who still looks like he did uh, <laughs> back in the day when he was with the WWE. Craig George. But, uh, you know, right out of college. Uh, yeah. Toronto, the Maple Leafs, I mean, they haven't been good since Toe Blake was coaching there. Uh, yeah, they've tried a lot of different <laughs> things. Uh, I remember them being good in the six-team lead with Andy Bathgate skating around. And, and then there was a long period of time there where uh, this fabled franchise, uh, which – Great yeah. pride in this franchise uh, in the NHL and uh, especially uh, in in those parts of Canada. Uh, the Maple Leafs, they, they had Mike Babcock there. You thought that was going to work. They've tried different coaches. Right. Um, and, and uh, you know, they had Jacques Martin. He had some success. Oh, well, no, he was with Montreal. But uh, uh, Toronto, I right. mean, a coveted spot to be for players and coaches. Uh, what, what did they do to turn this around? Well, the, the Mecca. For one, they got, a, of all things, a guy from the United States with a mom from Mexico. Austin Matthews, you know, oh, yeah, and then Austin. they got, you know, a great player. And uh, obviously, you know, that's the idea. Get these top picks. John Tavares, they got from the Islanders and they, and they gave him a lot of money and they don't even need yeah. him to be a first line center. Uh, you know, they're, they've improved their uh, club, obviously, but they, they've come up short themselves and they haven't made a deep playoff run despite, you know, all these players that they've uh, come up with over the years and recent years too. But they look to be, they, they look like they're as good as anybody this year. I'm watching them. I haven't seen them as closely. The Panthers, I don't think the Panthers have played them yet. I'm not mistaken, right? I don't I know. So they got, they got remember, four yeah. games. Yeah, I don't think so. I'll have to look at the schedule. But I, they have four games coming up against them, I believe, um, still to go. So we'll get a good little sense of where the Panthers are. I think those games become important. We start measuring, okay, how are you doing against these teams who you consider to be just as good or if not better than your team? And you saw it last time with Colorado. It was, a, it was a tight game. They split the season series. Uh, they're done with the avalanche. We hope we see them one more time in a rematch from 1996. Remember that one? Yes. Yeah. You know what? Um, I, I, I was a fan of Joel Quenville. I, I really was. Uh, we had him on uh, one of our shows when we were doing radio here in town. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, you know, he kind of has that uh, hard uh, – Hockey exterior and, uh, you know, appears to be the real deal. All business behind the bench there. Looks yeah. the part. Uh, seemed to be a very approachable guy, an affable guy, uh, you know, when, when he was doing the press conferences. Uh, didn't seem to take that same hard edge into those situations. So yeah, uh, we had I him agree. on the air and we, we thought he was great. I, and the team's humming along. I mean, uh, how much, how were they able to, A, sustain things and uh, B, uh, tell us a little bit about this new guy that's uh, coaching a team. I, I, say, I guess it's on an interim basis and uh, and how they were able to uh, just turn that corner very quickly in what was an abrupt dismissal of Joel Quenville over crazy, in, yeah. in Chicago many, many years ago. I think everybody loved Joel Quenville. I think what you say is correct, too. He had a tough exterior and yet when you talk to him, he's somewhat of a kitty cat a, a little yeah. bit as well. Uh, so, uh, but not to say he was, he was a very tough guy on the bench. Obviously, we all know what happened in Chicago. It was a tough situation. In the NHL and the Panthers, they had to do what they did. You do feel like uh, you wish somebody in management, somebody, one person makes the right decision there. Yeah, it's all different. And then, and everybody's, uh, and everybody's okay going forward. But nobody made the right decision. And he had a lot of authority, and I understand uh, everything that happened with this. But it, it is, yeah. it's terrible. And it's terrible for the player, obviously, and, and Beach, and and, and everybody else that, that uh, made these decisions. But your question looks forward, and that's to uh, Brunette. He's a hockey lifer, played in over 1,000 games. He's a great scorer. He's actually, he's actually a very – now, I don't know him well, well, because we, we've been a little limited in our, in our connections with these guys. We don't have the, 
you know, the schmooze time that we used to have where you could talk off the record and get a lot of that time. But he's a very funny guy, and that is yet to kind of come out on the press conferences. Uh, but a good goal scorer, knows the game. I think it was important, Defoe and, and Ruby, to, to keep the systems the yeah. same. If you had brought in another coach yeah. with new penalty kill systems, new, new power play systems, new breakout systems, entries, all the things coaches do, I think that would have been a disaster because you had a team humming along. So I think that was part of the thing here is interim, let's give Brunette, keep the systems the same and see how we go. Now, if they went down the tubes, I think you would have seen, my guess is, and I don't know from any insight, my guess is you would have seen them bring in a veteran coach at some point, a Bruce Boudreaux type. I would not have brought in a Tortorella to turn over things because they don't need that kind of guy. But maybe a Babcock, those kind of, of that ilk. Hitchcock, if he wanted to get back in, a veteran guy who's not going to, you know, upset uh, the apple cart here because things are going well. And so far, they're going great under Burnett. So it's, a, it's an unbelievable opportunity for him, albeit he didn't want it this way. Uh, but they're going in the right direction. I would have loved it. Uh, you know, and nothing against this guy he seems to be doing a fine job. But uh, Boudreaux is my man. <laughs> because uh, it turns like out that he was like a closet Joe Pesci when they did that uh, <laughs> Showtime deal uh, about the Washington Capitals when he was coaching there. He, he was fantastic. Oh, he's great, and he's turned around. I think the Canucks are three and zero or something like that under him already. He was uh, also his. I believe the apartment that was used in. I'm not kidding. He was slap shot was based on his apartment. He was on that team <laughs> back. In, I'm serious. <laughs> back in the day. You can look that up. I'm pretty sure he was the roommate of of Paul Newman's character in real life. How about that? I don't that? know who I like more, Barry Trotz, who unfortunately is buried now with the <laughs> Islanders after that awkward uh, yeah. season opening schedule where they had no arena and they played their first 37 games on the road, which, uh, you know, is That's funny. highly unusual circumstance. So, or, uh, yeah. you know, and Trotz is great. But uh, Boudreaux uh, was one of my favorites. I mean, just for the cursing alone. I, I had never seen better use of the expletive or more frequent than Bruce Boudreaux, of all things, who, uh, you know, looked the part of a nice old uh, Jewish man that you would see at a bank in Bell Harbor. Or something. No. All right, one last thing. Craig Minervini, our special guest. Yes. You can catch him on uh, Bally Sports Florida. You can tune that in uh, anywhere in the country uh, and uh, always does an outstanding job, as I said, with various analysts. And, and he's also on the Miami Marlins broadcast as well, where he does an outstanding a standing block of work going back to his days as an in-game reporter. And now uh, very much he's called play-by-play on the Marlins. Mm-hmm. I saw this this morning. This is encouraging. Now, now they made some moves. Uh, I'm curious to see uh, what you think. Uh, is it cosmetic or is it going to make a difference? And then rated number 10 in terms of one-two starting pitching punch Wow, was Whoa. the Miami Marlins with Sandy Alcantara and Trevor Rogers. Oh, Rogers. One-two. Wow. Number one, of course, was Scherzer DeGrom of the Mets. But, uh, you know, is there a reason to be, uh, you know, encouraged and or inspired by uh, what could happen this year for the Marlins after last year's just bitter disappointment? And, of course, you knew we were all in on the over on uh, 71 wins, which we thought was a cinch, yeah. and they didn't make it. So no. uh, there's some bitterness attached to this uh, question. But uh, <laughs> do you think they've made enough significant change to, to, to turn that around, at least to get going in the right direction, be above 500? Well, what is your overall record on the under-over, by the way? Uh, one, you, and you, you, oh, one and two. in four years. <laughs> once uh, in four years. Oh, you've only done it a few times? Really? Well, I mean, we started a campaign about four years ago with a sponsor okay. of ours deal, Volkswagen, here in town. 
And uh, oh, they got all okay. involved in it. They're big fans of the local teams. And then the only okay. year we hit it was COVID-19 when they shocked the world and went to the postseason. With the 31 and 29, yeah. So, yes, I think to answer your question, yes, I do think so. I, again, as uh, Luby mentioned this earlier on the podcast here, on After Hours, that they're in a very tough division. But they've improved. And you haven't even mentioned, you know, Pablo Lopez. There's the good news. You get the one-two punch. But your three, four, five punch yes. is pretty impressive, too. With, with Pablo Lopez, you know, we saw the lefty Braxton Garrett last year. You certainly have Sixto Sanchez in the mix. Uh, he was not there last year. He was not in great shape. Did not, uh, we didn't see him at all. And you hope that he's going to be there right in that spot, maybe that number four guy as well, and moving his way up. And then a veteran, Eliezer Hernandez now, is not old. Uh, he's still only 25, 26 or whatever. Uh, is, a, is a very dependable back-end type pitcher. So I like the pitching. I think the thing for the Marlins is, can they score? You know, hopefully they've improved um, the offense with some of the, the pickups they've had. I love the fact that they, the, the big thing that everybody talked about around the team, with no disrespect to Jorge Alfaro, was, was frankly, they needed a catcher who can catch and, and who can frame pitches, which is so yeah. important. <laughs> you does. need a catcher who can actually catch. Yeah, and it, Hey, listen, By the definition, a yes, arm. The job. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The catching position yes. is really the uh, other than the pitcher yeah. is the most important. And the defense is more important than the offense mm-hmm. from the catcher. If you can get a little pop, if you can get a little something on the offensive side, you really hit. Oh, this guy won the gold glove last year. Jacob Stallings. He's not that well known down here. He's six foot five. He's a big guy for a catcher. 225 pounds in his early 30s, and they got him from the Pirates. So they have stabilized the catching. No question he could catch. He also hit 250, 260 with a little pop, gap, gap guy, driving some runs, get your big hit when you need it. You don't need your catcher. You'd love it if your catcher could hit 300 or 280 and not, and hit 30 bombs. You're not going to hit 30 bombs in this ballpark anyway. So I think that's a huge pickup. Brian Anderson's got to have a big year. He's got to come back. He did not have a good year last year. Uh, and then you've got interesting guys around the infield that picked up, of course, in the, in the outfield. you got Garcia, who led the Brewers, a playoff contender for the last five years, in homers and ribbies last year. And you got Sanchez come back. So it's an interesting team. I don't think they're complete, uh, but they've gotten more interesting. They should be very competitive. I wonder what that number is going to be this year, for that under-over that you talk about. Is it is it 81? Is it 79? Because of their, their success... They're, they're probably going to come in on the lower, right please. side. Lower, yeah, yeah, Just please. keep going lower. Is it lower? Well, they're going to come in on we the right side. One. They're going to come in on the light side, you would think, guys, right? Because of the reputation. Yeah, yes. You know, of the, of the Marlins. But uh, so maybe it's 77, 78. Boy, I think they can be in the playoffs with a mix. And certainly what you want to do is have a good first half and be there in the second half. All right. I don't want you making my number, uh, you know, if I'm making any kind of wager. You're putting Mr. that at 77. I mean, we're hoping to find like 72 and a hook, maybe uh, one game better than last year. Greg, always a pleasure, man. Great stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, who else can we call upon to do a Bob Murphy impression right at the top of a podcast here and then, you know, have the uh, audience uh, get filled in on hockey and baseball as well. Uh, thanks so much, my friend, for uh, being with us. Uh, always a great conversation, and, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Sounds good. And next time I'll do my Lindsay Nelson with Bob Murphy and Ralph Kiner. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Vinny, man. <laughs>
Greg Manavini, ladies and gentlemen. You can catch this man's work on uh, Bally Sports Florida, uh, both with the Miami Marlins and the Florida Panthers. And uh, he does all kinds of other stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, he's on this national cheerleading thing every year. Yep. Which, uh, you know, you can imagine. You, you guys draw your own conclusions about that. <laughs> I, I think it's a paycheck. No, he's too old for that. Come on. Although it doesn't look it right. This is a guy that doesn't age. You talk about no, uh, really somebody that should have like a skin commercial, uh, you know, for some kind of uh, cream uh, where you uh, never look any different. Just absolutely incredible how uh, this man stays so young looking. Craig Minervini, ladies and gentlemen, our special guest after hours with Defoe and Luby. I'm Jeff DeForest. He's Mike Luby Lubitz. That's our program for today. Had a lot of fun being with you guys. We'll do it again tomorrow. We'll come up with something, as Always. they say in the industry. And uh, thanks so much, uh, everybody, for being with us. Uh, I have uh, all kinds of crazy stuff going on where I'm recording here because uh, the Mustang, who probably is the only person and uh, or outfit that blitzes more than the Miami Dolphins do. <laughs> Has me blitzkrieg today with uh, movers coming to the house, and they're already in action here as I'm recording. I so, love it. Uh, yeah, it sounds like I'm doing one of those uh, World War II deals, you know, where you're the last guy standing trying to say, "Okay, here are the coordinates. Please send some planes." All right, there's uh, England is going up in smoke. All right, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks, uh, Luby. Always a pleasure, my thank friend. You, sir. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in, uh, making this thing popular here on uh, Believe Podcast Networks, and. Uh, once again, we'll, we'll do it again tomorrow as uh, we leave you with the thought that, as Doug McGraw would say, you got to believe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.